0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves Digital Media Content Manager. And this week, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do a best of edition of Behind the Braves. And we're going to take a look back at what I think is still one of our most interesting and in Compelling interviews we've done. We've been doing this show, of course, for over three years and over a hundred episodes. And while it's hard to choose one singular favorite, this one is certainly, uh, I would say, in the in the conversation for one of my favorites as well as my co-host, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Uh, early on in Behind the Braves, we sat down with Braves legend Rico Cardi, and. We figured it's been a while now. Again, this episode came out, I believe, in November of 2018, that maybe this would be a good time to revisit this. And uh, as you're going to hear, if you didn't hear the episode back then, and you're going to hear it now for the first time, uh, what a story he has to tell. And I think this man, if he hasn't already taken up a second career as a voiceover artist, then I think he he should, uh, because you're going to hear he has got uh, quite a set of pipes on him. So um, we hope you're all having a, a great holiday season and that you're enjoying uh, this time with your your loved ones and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. But in the meantime, here's a look back at our interview with Rico Cardi, well, Rico, um,
1: welcome to the Alumni Lounge here at SunTrust Park and behind the Braves. That's the name of our podcast, and we appreciate you being here today. You know, yesterday we got to spend a little time together with your family. We had Los Bravos and Alumni Sunday, so we got you out there, uh, introduced you to the fans again. Uh, you have a lot of fans here in Atlanta, and you're able to do the chop. So, uh, how how was that for you? That That's was great.
2: It's good <laughs> coming back to Atlanta. I think I haven't been here since 25 years. Wow. Yeah. I, I was looking forward that the Braves, you know, because it was going to bring me back through those years that I wasn't here because it's surprising. I was one of the most popular ball player with the fans. Not with the ball players. <laughs> 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 I had problem with seven ball players. Seven, Yeah, yeah seven, seven of them. them. Because right. you know, I am the type of uh, fellow. I couldn't take too many pushes. But when the time goes by, you start learning. Is the truth from the American peoples? Hmm. It's one thing I learned from you all you step on somebody and you say, forgive, I'm I'm sorry. I used to say to myself, why? I actually want to step on him and he said he's sorry. And throughout the times, I start learning that. And I said, these is humble people. Mm. It's not the way. We, the Latin, Latin players, you know, we come to a different country. It's really tough, because in our country, we all live together. And if you're a ball player, you can do so many things. And people will always put your way up. We come from different families, very poor families. And the majority of the ball players in the Dominican Republic really come from really down. Okay, mm. and when they get few dollars, they think they got God in their hands. It, with my father and my mother, my mother was a midwife, my father was a boss under the tracks of the sugar cane company. And I tell you one, I never passed hunger one day. Hmm. And that is the truth. I learned from them to don't crave at the dollars, at the money. When they signed me, the Milwaukee Braves signed me, it was John Mullen and Ted McGraw. St. Louis gave me a blank contract in 1959 that I could put any amount of money that I want in that contract. The owner of the teams in the Dominican Republic and said, no, wait a minute. He belongs to, to the strangers in San Pedro, and we want him to sign with the Milwaukee Braves because John Mullen and him was very good mm-hmm. friends. The scout that gave me the contract in blind said he can play for the strangers in San in San Pedro and plays for St. Louis Cardinal. He told them no. And I didn't know anything about money because I wasn't craving at the money. I wanted to was play baseball. Okay? I accept two thousand dollars at that time. That's what they give me. Wow. Let me work you bridge. And I give it to my mother. But I'm just showing you all uh, what we go through when we come from the United from the Dominican Republic, Latin players, to the United States. The color bearer. I could have never understand that. Mm. We don't live like that in our country. Wherever you go is the truth. It's prejudice and it's everywhere, little or big. But in our country is the money, your status, the way your family is positioned. You can be black as your shoes, and if your father and your mother, your family is in good status, you can do anything you want in the in the Latin countries. Now, when we come, here to the United States, that we can sit down in a restaurant to eat, get on a bus, and you got to go in the back part of the bus. You go to a restaurant a restroom, and you cannot. It's white black. I said, what, what, what is this? Were you going to take your powers? You know what you said it in English? And you can't go into where you want to go and, and do your you know Go <laughs> to the restroom Yeah, the yeah, restroom You know <laughs> It's crazy it, it, it was crazy, really mm-hmm. Well, we just had twenty twenty five
1: 25 years From uh, the anniversary of Martin Luther King's assassination 50 F- I'm sorry, 50, yeah. mm-hmm. 50 years And uh, we were interviewing some of the players That were here during that time uh, Joe Tory came back, w- mm-hmm. was here
2: And uh, obviously Hank I and, played and with Joe Torre, yeah. Hank Aaron Right uh, Keith Boyer uh, Baba Stramonte, uh, Mac Jones, uh, Tony Cloninger, Ron Reed, uh, Pat Jarvis. Now that was about there. Pat Jarvis and Tony Cloninger. When this pitching, you got pitchers up there. Phil Negro. Phil Negro was the type of pitcher. He was a knuckleball pitcher. He was very good. When he is his day, you're not going to hit him that easy. And at one time, I say that the Braves in those days, with Hank Aaron, Felipe, and "rico" Rico, Cardi, and Orlando Cepeda, then goes down Cleet Boyzo, It was the best hitting ball club in, the, in baseball. Yeah, you guys had some great... I'll I tell you one thing, and this is the truth. We was playing against the Giants here one night. And it was raining, and the Giants was beating us. 12 to 1 in the bottom of the eighth inning, and it's rained. We get back in the field, it's rained again. We end up beating the Giants 14 to 13. Wow. That's how good that, our ball club was. was but a good game. our defense was weak. We had Sonny Jackson in the shortstop, and he always said, Rick, what'd you say? He didn't feel a ball. But Paul Richards liked him. He bought him from Houston, too. And that's happened a lot. And Paul Richards was one of the smartest general manager in baseball, and that is the truth. Like, I'll say, look, to me, because I hit behind a Hank Aaron, to me, to me, Rico Cardi, that's the best hitter I've ever seen in baseball. In nineteen sixty-six and the end of ending of May, Hank Aaron was hitting 138 or 158. The ending of May. I look at Hank and said, Hank, what are you doing? He says, Man, what you what are you telling me? I say, Are you going for his home runs? You know, and they're not gonna give you any good pitches. So why don't you try to spread the ball around? And then goes for your homer. We came in the clubhouse that night, and we sitting together because we were real good friends. And he said to me, "Say, Rico, you look at me from tomorrow on. I'm going to split the ball around. And he just started doing that. Bam, bam, to all opposite fields, all fields. When he was hitting about 290, 300, he said, Rico, now I'm going for the long ball. I'm going for the money drive. And that year, he ended up hitting 44 home runs, hitting three about three twenty, three ten, something like that, and driving 121 runs. Ain't no hitters can do that. That's
1: crazy, you know. Hey, well, let's uh, let's tell our fans, uh, just remind fans just what kind of ball player you were. I want to read you some things, uh, some of your awards, records that you've done over the years, and then um, and maybe comment on with us, just comment what, what's the most impressive to you and what you take the most pride in. So I uh, just want to share this with everybody just as a reminder, what kind of player Rico was, but uh, he was an all-star, your runner-up rookie of the year. Uh, 1964, you finished second to Roberto Clemente for the batting title. There were eight seasons where you batted over .300. Uh, you're tied for first with Ralph Gar for the all-time batting average of 317 with Atlanta and Milwaukee combined. And then you're sixth overall with our franchise, including Boston. There were there were a bunch of guys back mm-hmm. turn of the century that were uh, that that hit, but you were sixth overall. That's including Boston. Then you set a record for 31 consecutive. Consecutive games with a hit until 2011, where Dan Uggla ended up with 33. I think. Believe yeah. it was 33. Uh, 33, and then today you still have the record for the highest batting average for a season. And that's 366. So those are pretty impressive uh, records that you have. But out of all those, what means the most? It means the most to you with those records.
2: Well, I will tell you, 366 was great. And what I did that year, that Hank Aaron. Eddie Matthew and all of them get mad with me because Orlando Cepeda was the fifth hitter. But at the time, I wasn't thinking that I was doing harm to nobody. I was doing a favor. And I told the skip, I said, look, put Orlando fourth, put me fifth, six, seven. I'm going to hit wherever you put me. I, I said, okay, put me fifth. So did. They keep telling Rico, hey, you never do anything like that in the big leagues. Hank Aaron, Caldwell, told me the same thing. Eddie Matthew, all of them. Rico, hey, you never done anything like that in the big leagues. I said, well, I'm going to do it because if you put me eight, I'm going to hit. Wherever you put me, I'm going to hit. That's the confidence that I had in myself as a hitter." Hank Aaron got mad and he was right after after I understand you know but but by, by the time was going by I say hey I didn't do it because I wanted to harm Hank Aaron I did it to help Orlando Cepeda and after that Orlando started hitting and then he was happy because then you got Orlando fourth and me fifth you got to pitch Hank Aaron but the the funny thing in that year, when we got to San Diego, Orlando was already hitting almost 300. He had almost 20 something home runs. Okay, he had about 80 runs by the day, and I said to Orlando, Orlando, okay, you're on your way now. Give me my fourth spot back. You know what he told me? <laughs> <laughs> he told me no. Yeah. I said, what you mean no? You can't be that ungrateful. <laughs> I have helped you, okay? And that's my spot. I went to the manager, and Harris. You know what Roman told me? I told you. So don't you come in here talking that stuff to me. I said, wait a minute. I'm the fourth hitter, not Orlando. And if you don't put me fourth hitter, I'm going to get out of the lineup. He said, well, if you do that, You will never be in the lineup anymore because I'm the manager. I say, okay, Orlando. We're in San Diego. Okay. From San Diego, we went to three different cities. And every city we got to, I tell him, Orlando, tell him, man, you put me forward. He says, no. He said, when we get to Houston, I will give you your fourth spot. We got to Houston. I'm sitting down. I'm dressed. I look up. Ford and fifth, the manager didn't put no name up there. Well, I said, Okay. I went up, I put my name Ford and put a lot of fifth. Lumon came keep. out and said, Who did that? <laughs> I said, Mr Luman, with all respect, I did it because I'm the 4th hitter. He said, No. I'm the manager. And we all told you that you should never did that. And Orlando don't want to give you back the food spot. You got to wait now until we get to Atlanta. I said, Orlando, you know why I don't fish you right now before (laughs) these people? Because you are my best friend, Mm. or one of my best friends, but you, hey, I don't like you anymore. He said, what do you mean? And he hugged me, you know, and so forth and said, hey, be quiet, man. You're still hitting over 400. So what are you fighting about? I said, because I help you, and now you should be nice of not, say, Rico, here's your fourth spot. Hmm. So everybody was laughing at me, and Hank told me, he said, you see what I told you? There it is. So we we'll get to Atlanta. Okay, we came into Atlanta. I think that Mr. Luman is going to put me forward again. He didn't, he leave fourth and fifth out. He was just spiting me to show me you mm. cannot be that nice a guy. Mm. It was about wrong about 7.20. I said to myself, if he don't put me fourth spot, I'm not going to play. Exactly about, five, it was five minutes before the game, I came off the field and come on in exactly the time it was two minutes before the game started there was the was in the mm-hmm. fourth spot he told me he tapped me on my shoulder. he said i make a bet you'll never do that again and I said uh uh-uh, uh I'll never do that to nobody again <laughs> <laughs> that's great and that was one of those years that I think I had one bad month I can't remember it was June or July I hit about Two fifty, but it's there in the record. I, I, I but you know something? The left hand pitcher is the one that gave me trouble, mm-hmm. and I didn't know because I was hitting so high all the time. I never think that the left hand pitchers give me any trouble. So one day we was in in LA, and every time the eighth and ninth inning is coming up. Walter Aston would always bring a left-hand pitcher to pitch to me. I pop it up or hit it into a double play. Hmm. So that day they was beating us three to two, and you know I'm always a good hitter with men's and base, and that's why they, they about my third year, Preston Aston and Walter Aston and all those managers say, pitch to Hank, don't pitch to Rico. Because in two strikes, I was dangerous. Mm. Nobody get me out in two strikes. But the left-hand pitchers, I was always taking the, the third strike. And I didn't know why. Until one day, Walter said, what are you talking about? You don't hit left-handed. What are you talking about, I don't hit left-handed? And Paul Richard called me upstairs. Come on up. I want to talk to you. I said, now, what have I done? He said, Come on, sit down. He says, Look at your status. You're in 120 against left-handers, and you have more 500 against right-handers. <laughs> I said to him, I don't know why. Hmm. He said, Why don't you go to have a bat? I say, I hit with a
1: 36-38. Goodness gracious.
2: But as a telephone pole. Yeah, but... <laughs> here is it's Richie Allen. He hit with a bat, with his bat. His weight bat is 45, 50 youngs bat. 44, 45, 50 youngs bat. I don't know how the hell he could swing with that bat. <laughs> <I don't, yeah. laughs> so one day we was here playing against Phillies, okay? And we was real good friends. And here he is, you know, hitting bat in practice. I pick up his log. I said, oh, man, this feet good. He said, you want it? I said, yeah. I'm going to hit with it today. Young, strong, you know, first time up. I got into the home plate, and when I tried to pull that trick, I couldn't. <laughs> I said, what in the world is this? Out here, I pick it up, you know. I swung it, good. But when that pitch came to me, I couldn't pull the trigger. I bad. froze. I say, <laughs> so I told Leamp, I said, I can't hit with this bat. He said, you're going to have to hit with it. Oh, uh, He wouldn't give you timeout? No, he wouldn't. I took all three pictures right down the middle of the plate. <laughs> I couldn't swing that bat. I say, so when they, I went in the dugout and I said to Orlando, I said, Orlando, how in the world are you I can swing that bat? I say, hey, my bat is 36, 38, and I couldn't pull the trigger with that one. He says, man, I I, I swing it, and uh, Richie Allen swing it, and Richie Allen swing it so easy, wristy wrist it, you know, he, say, mm-hmm. a, he just have that
0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an A C pro recharge kit today. Be a pro with A C pro. You mentioned earlier that the you know you had a strong connection with the fans, um, either with Cardi's corner, mm-hmm. the fan club in the outfield, left field. left field. Um in 1970, you were voted into the All-Star Game as a right-in candidate, yeah. a starting uh-huh. starting outfielder as a right-in uh-huh. end candidate, which yeah. is which is incredible. I mean, did you, from the time you moved to Atlanta, did you always have that strong connection with the fan base here, or did it take time?
2: When I came from Milwaukee to Atlanta in 1964, because they always call me Smiley, I always had a smile on my face. The American people like that. They don't like a hot dog. And I will strike out, and I will smile. I've made an error, and I will smile. They give me the name Smiley. Then I give myself the name Big Boy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. And they will come out in the stand from left to right. Rico for president. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was it was something that unbelievable. In Milwaukee, Rico for president. It will be the whole week that we place there, Rico for president. And the express will come up to him and say, Rico, hey, how do you like that? I say, I love it, but I cannot be president of the United States. <laughs> I'm, I'm Dominican. Right. I cannot be. So the, it'll come out in the paper. Rico says he cannot be president of the United States. <laughs> then he come out. Rico for governor. <laughs> so That's if good. it was today, they would explore that so much. But I think it's it's somewhere in there where you put up all those records. Yeah. It should be there. Mm-hmm. Then I came, we came to Atlanta in 1966 and somehow my stamina with the fans came out and they stood out in left field Rico, Rico <laughs> you know and then they called me Smiley <laughs> but the funny thing is that when I was growing up I didn't have nobody to give me a baseball so when I get those baseball in left field I used to drop to the stand some of the ball players used to say what he does that's what he wanted, fans, them to love him. And that, that wasn't true. I was doing it because it's from my heart. But you know something? The commissioner of baseball, they wrote the commissioner. And the commissioner was fine me $5 for each ball I threw in the stand. Wow. And you know what I was gaining? $8,000 a year. And in 19... 19- 64 I hit 330. 1965 I hit 310. I dislocate my lower part of my back. I was out most of the time. 1966 I hit 326. Marialo Felipe, Lou Enrico Cardi, Trigo. Dominican players, one behind the other. In 1967, I dislocate my shoulder, run hand, I don't know when things are going to happen, that is going to happen. Who sent me to steel base? I wasn't a great runner, but he, did, he didn't, the pitcher didn't go into his, and I took off. He didn't even look at me. Run Hunt got the ball upstairs and his knee mm. into my shoulder. He dislocated my shoulder, and I couldn't drive the ball towards the opposite field. I played throughout that year, and. Uh, I know I, I should have get out of, of the lineup, but that was me. I keep pushing, pushing. I end up that year, I think, hitting 235 or 250, something like 255. Then I came down with tuberculosis in 1968. That was my hard blow. In the youth of my career, I came down with tuberculosis. But I said some I said one thing to myself, I say. Everybody says, why me? I didn't say that. I said to the Almighty God, I say, Lord have mercy upon me and give me back my complete health. I don't want to blame nobody for my illness because like I said, you're born and in that white piece of paper is what you're going to do in life. Whatever you're going to do, it's right there written. The day that you're going to die, ain't nobody going to save you because it's already written down. And when I came back in 1969, I dislocated my shoulder seven times. I was always in pain. And I, I end up hitting that year 342. And we clinched the Eastern Division ship by meeting a player. I had to because I wasn't going to throw out nobody. It was a shoot, shoot top. Tommy Hens with the base loaded. If that ball dropped in, we would lose the game. But I made up my mind I had to cut that ball. It was two outs playing against Cincinnati. If that ball dropped in, they was going to tie up with us. So when when he hit that ball, I made up my mind I had to cut that ball. And I cut it on my footstep, on my shoe stop. we won. And I came in, Bill Lucas said to me, Rico, <laughs> he was part of the staff, he said, Rico, why you did that? I said, Bill, if that ball drop in, we're going to lose the ball game. Who was I going to throw? Because I couldn't throw. Hmm. So I had to make the play. He says, man, you something else. <laughs> you know? And this is... Then I came back in 1970, and that was my great year. When I hit 366, 25 home runs, 101 run batted in. But you see, I was hitting behind a man like Hank Aaron. He don't live in no the man's and base. And what he leave, that's what I pick up. <laughs> see what I mean? Right. And... I'll tell you one thing, and this is the truth. Hank Aaron, I'd never seen Ted Williams play. i never seen um, Stan Musial, maybe at the end of his career. But I heard about Stan, uh, Ted Williams, how great he was. A Thai Cub, you name them. But to me, to me, yeah, Hank Aaron would do whatever. Ever you want to do on the field mm. as a hitter, and he was the type of person you don't, he never talked. he go out, plays game, and go on home. The year of 1963, that I came up to the big leagues. Uh, Warren Spawn, Lou Burdett, Dale Crandall, uh, Frank Torrey this was a superstar, Johnny Logan, and so forth. They used to come out and find him all over them. I said, hey, that's great. Two years later, this is the word that Lou says. He said, gee, it turned around. Nobody's asking me for my autograph. (laughs) And I said to myself, so I'm going to take a while and give these fans my autograph. And I used to do it every day we play here. I used to take out two hours and three hours Sometimes my family would come out and say, let's go. I say, hey, you go home. I'll stay here and sign. <laughs> and that's why I think the fans adore me because sure. I was the honest ball player to take out time and give them the autograph or throw baseball to the stand. I think in one... I'm going to sue the commissioner for taking up my money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Well, you're still doing that today because uh, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your foundation because you're still giving back just like that heart that you had to, to be able to give kids baseballs back when you played or sign autographs for the fans. You're still giving back today. So why don't you tell us a little bit about tell us the name uh, of your foundation well, and what you're doing down it's, in the Dominican. It's Rico
2: Cardi Foundation. Sometime I go out to give speech uh, to the young kids, and tell them things that really they have to hear. For instance, steroids and all that stuff. They don't have to use that to play baseball. I never lived with in my life, and you can look at me, look at my hands. If I ever live with, I wouldn't like look like that. If I used steroids, greeny, I wouldn't look like where I look today. And, you know, I'm 79 years old, and that lady that bring me to the bar, bar I, say, mm-hmm. I told her, I said, I'm 70. She said, what? Uh-uh. Yeah, you don't look like it. I said, hey, <laughs> no. Oh, you look like you're 50 or 55. I said, no, I'm 79 years old. He said, God bless you. It's the way you take life, too, see? You can do everything in life, but you have to know how to do it. Things goes by so far sometime, that you look at these kids of today and say, what are they doing? Like a hitter, I like Freeman as a hitter. He wait and react, that's the way you hit. But the majority of the hitters, they, get, they start swinging before the ball get there. <laughs> so if the ball is around the, the strike zone, they will hit it. Once it's a slider, you can see that bat is way out there. There's not even seen the ball. And I'll tell you, Trout from From the Angels. Angels, Angels. he is a good hitter. Mm-hmm. He wait. Okay? Albert Pujol, he's a great hitter, but sometimes he looks so and it's the truth he looked bad in the home plate. Oh, you know, after you got ten years, eight, you have to know the strike zone. You shouldn't look like that. Sammy Sosia was the same way. But, Albert Pujol is a lot better hitter than all of them. Of his experience, and that's why I criticize him and say he shouldn't look like that. When, you know, in, in two strikes or nothing. Because he already known the strike zone and that's your strike zone right there. What you going to go out there looking for? You know? But that's part of baseball. But the young players of today, I'll tell you one thing about Rico Cardi. I couldn't swing at the first pitch. And the pitchers knows it. And they come right down the middle of the plate. The manager, London Peter, Hanky, and everybody hollered holler to me, Rico, <laughs> swing at that pitch because you're not going to get anything else. I couldn't. When I'm in the hole, I'm a better hitter. Mm. In 2-0, oh, I couldn't swing at a pitch. I got to get a strike to be a hitter. 3-0, I couldn't. Every hitter's wanna be on top of the picture. Mm. Every hitter, I could not. And that's why you see most of my fellow men around me, say Rico, you are the best right-hand hitter I've ever seen. Because nobody in earth in 2-0 would wait for strikes. And they knows it. And they come right down the middle of the plate. But I couldn't swing. If I swing, I'm an out. Hmm. Well, after I got that strike, now I'm a hitter. See? But the majority of the great hitters, they like to get on top of the pitcher two 2-0, 3-0. That's when they hit the long ball. I couldn't. Hmm. And now, when I get to strike, <laughs> I don't care who you, Gibson, Shaw, Drysdale, Kufak, <laughs> Tom Siever, Nolan, Ryan, you know? Jim Palmer, every one of them. I'll give them that strike. And I go from there on. And if this your day, I'm gonna let you get me into strike. Because when I get to strike, you're in trouble, not me. Today, the majority of the hitters, when they get to strike, they're in trouble. And I was the other way around. When I get to strike, that's when I was dangerous. Right, mm-hmm.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. Who who do you think was the the best pitcher that, that you ever faced?
2: <laughs> all of them. All of them. <laughs> oh, <bad. laughs> he Gibson, Maris, Charles, Drysdale, Gaylord Perry, Koufax, Maloney, Tom Seaver, Fergis, Jenkins. Mm-hmm. They all in the base, certain. They all in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But look who was getting me out any time he picked me, Jim O'Toole. Really? Hmm. With Cincinnati. He said, Rico, what's going on? I said, I don't know. <laughs> and every gas. time Some I see a, like a left-hand yeah. pitcher coming in, yeah. I said, "What the hell is going? <laughs> and Hank Aaron and, and Orlando, we laugh. He said, what do you mean? I said, hey, man, what the hell are you bringing in a left-hand pitcher here for? <laughs> I know I was in trouble
1: then, you yeah. know. Was it change-ups? Was it sinkers? What,
2: what, what I was don't it? know. But I, I Whatever was, they threw. Yeah, whatever they threw. I don't Slider, get, curve. It, it, right down the middle, and I couldn't hit it. I don't know what's wrong. Good I thing there weren't it. too many of those. I, that's exactly <laughs> right. They won't come from the right-hand side. Oh, my but, goodness. Um, that's That's the name of the game. But what I'll say today, that the young players, they need – People to talk to them and let them get in the mind that steroid is don't make them a hitter. And in the long run, it's going to harm them throughout their life. They have a wife. They have kids. And when you can't do your job, somebody is going to do your job. And that is the truth. And steroid it mess, mess you up. The doctor says it and it's the truth. And that's why I want, you know, for instance, I came back uh, a week ago because, no, I came, yeah, a week ago to bury my old son, Rico Jr. He was a ball player. He saw him three times. I know he wasn't going to be anything great. Because it was just time for these flashes, and he always wanted new spikes, new gloves. I say, hey, you don't do that. I'm your, I'm your daddy. Okay, I'll get it for you. But I played with my gloves for three years. And every week you want a new spikes, Every week you want a new gloves? You're not going to be no player. And the people used to say to me, why you say that? I'm telling you all the truth. He is a pretty boy, and that's all it is. Mm. And I would like to see the autopsy, to see if he was using that. Because mm. the way he died, see, he was playing that day, and I think they strike him out, he went back to the doghouse, sit down, and just faint away. Mm. He never, and the, the big thing was it, it was on my birthday. The first of September. That was my my present of my birthday, the death of my only son. Mm. But coming back to Rico Cardi Foundation, like I told you, when you called me to the, from the Dominican Republic to the Dominican Republic, I said, Greg, I need your help. You see, um. They have few organizations that send me clothes, spikes, gloves. They send me money. But it's, the, the, the tongue is so poor, and all that is wrong. They will bring prescription to you, so they'll buy medicine and so forth. And that's what I do. The little that I get, I give it to the people. You go right now to San Pedro de Macorís, And you can send anybody in there and ask about Rico Cardi Foundation. You know what they're going to tell you? What I'm telling you. It's the honest person that get everything and give everything away. Mm. And even give what he got. And it's the truth. Mm. That's great. And that's the God living truth. And I'm asking you all, the brave that I played here was loved by the fans and I know. If we reach out to the fans, they're going to help. Rico Cardi Foundation. And it's make me feel good. Because when I was playing, i take shoes, clothes, you know, like one time, and this is the truth, I went downtown here to Freeman. And I I look, I was going to the bank. I look across and I saw two shoes, Cobra and Alligator. And I said, gee, those are beautiful. I walk in with my best friend and I asked the man, I say, hey, you got more of those shoes? He said, I got all color. And I told him, okay, well, just show me. And once he keeps showing me, I say, okay, I like it. I like it. He gave a, and it was almost from that place right there, come around, a man in the middle. And he's taking on shoes, and I said, I love them. When he got to about 31, I was in the middle. He says, ain't no way I can put no more shoes. <laughs> what are you doing? He didn't know I was Rico Cardi. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to see what's going to happen now. I said, how much shoes you got? He said, man, it's 31 shoes for you to buy one pair of shoes. You buy like a lady. I said, hey, slow down. I want those shoes. He said, what? I said, I love every one of them that is there. 31 pair of shoes. He didn't know what to do. He says it, like he says after what he said, man, this black man coming in, just picking up shoes like crazy. <laughs> so I told him I want every one of them. I took out my, my checking account. I said, okay, how much it He said, 1600 Take out my check. $1,600. Rick When that man saw my name, he said, wait a minute. You are my ball player and my family's ball player. And he called up all his family. His daddy came over and said, hey, give him all of those shoes that is there. And he give you a check, you can tear it up. His father took the check, tear it up, and I said to the fellow there, he was running, I said, hey, I can't do that. No, I gotta pay you something. He says, uh, how about a hundred? I said, no, stole my shoes for a hundred dollars. So my friend that is walking with me, my best friend, he says, Rigo, give them $300. They want to give you the shoes. I said, OK, I'll give them 600 I wrote out the check for $600. and He, said, he didn't want that $600. So here I am. I'm living at Peyton Place. I said, you going to take my shoes over there? It's a black section. He said, I'll take it any way you tell me. <laughs> at about 5 o'clock, he said, Rico. You at home? I said no. My family is home. You can take it there. And he took the 31 pair shoes there. But then people went berserk. I think it's one 20 of his family came in in maybe a second. I don't know where they live, <laughs> but they was there and they was saying, "Man, give me a graph. Uh, Rico, yours, yours, my player." You know, it make me feel good. Yeah, you know? that's great.
1: That's awesome. Well, we appreciate you being here today. We're about out of time, and um, those are great stories. We don't we don't get to hear uh, enough of those, but uh, we certainly um, we'll get information about your your foundation and and if there's some some of our fans that want to help contribute, uh, if we can do something with the organization, I'll definitely that. pass it along. We'd love to help, and it sounds like you're doing great things.
2: I know there. that. I know that's why I reach out to you all because I know there's American people. They love to help. The Red Cross is there and so forth. And I know, I know you are going to help Rico Cardi Foundation. But before you all do that, you all can send them behind my back and ask in San Pedro about Rico Cardi Foundation. And they will tell you, you wouldn't hear one word bad against Rico Cardi Foundation. All you're going to hear is good things. We're going to get you to lunch and uh, again,
0: appreciate it, Ricky. Good times. Yeah, absolutely. I could sit here and listen to you tell stories (laughs) all day and I do know one thing that I'm sure of after fans hear this, I know that they're going to check out the Rico Rico Cardi
2: Foundation and help out any way they can. Thank you very much and uh, I know that's why I asked Greg, I said, Greg, will you present me to the fans? It's been so long. Mm. But all these fans that is out there, these young yeah, we got a whole but, new group of fans. Mm-hmm. But the father, the uncles, the aunts, they all knows who is was Rico Cardi in ball too, because most of the ball players love me. You see, it's only a couple. Like for instance, you know, through 64 through 70, the ball players and the manager used to pick for the all-star. And that's why they never picked me. And the right that end? year of 1970, right. they fans them they give it to the fans. The fans are writing And from then on, the fans oh, start riding on. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And sense. you know who was the three outfielders that year? Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Enrico Cardi over Roberto Clemente. Listen <laughs> careful. Roberto Clemente was the fourth outfielder. Now you wow. know how great I was. And that's what I was telling you. How in the world in that war you can put up Ramirez, Rafa Ramirez, with the big guns them should be. I should be close to Hank Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, t- I told you we just spread them out. And, uh, Not
0: Ramirez. No to- <laughs> we
1: have a bunch of different alumni. <laughs> you know who is Ramirez? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: You take the big guns and put the big guns them yeah. together. Now we got to spread it out. We don't <laughs> yeah. want everybody
2: yeah. to sit in one spot. <laughs> yeah, we spread it out. All right, Rico. We <laughs> appreciate you, buddy. Much. All right, Thank man. So much, it was Rick. nice talking to you. you too, nice buddy. meeting you. Yeah, great to meet you too, and uh, Rick. And Greg, thank you all very much for this moment. Thank you so much, Rico. And uh, it's, you know, it's sad. uh, It's very sad to know that my son is gone. But that's part of life. Mm -hmm. And I have to accept it. Way down deep, you know, you cannot forget it. But I ask God that I'm not mad with him. It's happened. I have to accept it. And I hope that every person that is out there that is listening to me, we take that same attitude. We cannot be offended, but by God works. And thank you all very much. And the fans, them, thank them for accepting me and loving me as a ball player and a human being. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Hey, Braves country, we just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or at Braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves.